Shake the boogeyman, the boogeyman, throw them bows, cause ain't nothing in your closet but some dirty dogs. I'm gonna get us all fired. Um, We're coming off the rails here, folks. Yeah, I didn't know what I was signing up for, okay? Shake the boogeyman, the boogeyman. What the heck is that? I tell you that, not that you can make fun of me about it forever, although I know that you will. the first place that accepted me, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go there. So, what are you gonna do with a psychology degree? It's just crazy to think about. So, what are you gonna do with a psychology degree? It's just crazy to think about. So, what are you going to do with a psychology degree? Um, We're coming off the rails here, folks. What the heck is that? I'm really sorry. I feel like I've immediately derailed the podcast this week. Go. Hey, 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 Stephanie and Corinne. How are you doing? Hello. So good. So happy to be here. We made it. <laughs> we sound so energetic today. Welcome. <laughs> Happy Monday. I was just going to say, it's important to note we're recording on a Monday. So yes. Recording on a Monday after I had Thursday and Friday off. Uh, and so I'm. Yeah. And it's April, which is always interesting. So. Well, yeah. and this April, we're been going through, you know, it's a busy time for us, right? This part of the registration period because we're doing summer, still doing some summer registration, fall registration. We got FIDIAX, first time in any college, uh, mm-hmm. transfer students, preparing for orientation, getting ready for graduation, finalizing graduation audits for those who are procrastinating, Sean, and um, <laughs> some other, and a variety of other things that are moving at this time. And then in the midst of all that, right? the weather decided to change up over the last week that made it really (laughs) difficult to be stuck in the office at times. And then today came to a screeching halt where mother nature (laughs) decided to uh, remind us of how powerful she is. (laughs) Don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't get ahead of yourself is exactly the thought that I was having when you, when you were talking about the weather. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what all have you all been up to though? Since the last time we connected, we missed uh, last week because it's just been so busy for us. Stephanie got a haircut. Oh, I did. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Oh, I feel so great. It's amazing the difference your hair can make uh, to make like your confidence just completely sore. So, not sore like is in sore, but like sore is in like, AR. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that sounds kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I love it. I'm feeling it. Can't wait to show it off. <laughs> I've been I've been debating, so you all notice that like my hair's grown out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to remember whether or not since I've started working at Wayne City if I've ever grown out my hair, probably. Um, but it's usually mm-hmm. a lot shorter than this and you, you got know. three millimeters right now, I think. I know this, this is this is very we'll long. Measure it. We'll measure it when we're all in the office. I've been decide, I've been trying to go. I've been going back and forth about whether or not I want to grow my hair out and see what I'm working with, or uh, you know, usually I get like a bald fade and you know get the same look, which I really like. I don't know. Decisions I, in uh... life. <laughs> I've had the same haircut for probably the last twenty years, so it's maybe time. I don't know. <laughs> Me too. Mm -hmm. You too? Yeah. See, that's what that's that's what's hard for me. So I I started shaving my head when I was about when I was in middle school, right? We moved out of Detroit and I was moving to these different communities. And as you all know, middle school can be just an evil place at times, (laughs) right? Kids come into their their own and the teasing and the this, that, and the other. And I'm a redhead, right? So redhead at 42. You know what I mean? Works out. But a redhead at 11, 12 <laughs> is like little ginger boy, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of, you know what I mean? Nicknames that I won't even go in through some of the nasty nicknames. Oh. So I started shaving my head partly because of that. Right. Okay. Um, And I was hiding my red hair. Right. Aww. And then and then I got in the habit of actually shaving my head for so many years. I got used to the look. Um, that I kept it. And so now when I start growing my hair out, it just feels so anti, uh, <laughs> uh, intuitive, I guess. I don't know if that's the word, but yeah. What, what have you been up to Corinne? I was trying to, I deflected on purpose, um, by bouncing to Stephanie. Cause I don't honestly remember, um, what have I been up to? My son had no school last week. He was on spring break. And so it was a lot of juggling last week, a lot of, uh, 
working parent slash parent parent. Um, so that was fun. We did, we tried to do a little bit of stuff with him. We went and saw the Mario movie, which was adorable. Really, really cute. Highly recommend whether you have kids or not. Honestly, it was really cute. I love Bowser. Yes, Thank it was adorable. Well, that's pretty so, yeah, cool. So yeah, so we did that. We went to the park. Um, we did, we've worked on, he's, he's eight years old. We are still trying to get him to be comfortable riding a bike. So that has been a work in progress. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. It was very much like summer preview in my life over the last week. So that's kind of what I've been up to. It's been pretty, pretty minimal, but keeps me busy. Yeah. I went out on Thursday and Friday Had Thursday and Friday off from work and went out to go visit my mother and my, my stepfather, who is, I call my father now, um, and, uh, you know, because my mother hasn't been feeling well and whatnot, so I wanted to go out there and be with her and, and catch up with my dad and everything. And when I came back on Friday evening, though, and then picked up my daughter on Saturday morning, I brought her to campus, right? So I was joking on uh, social media, I said uh, that Angel went to college, right? It was the first time she'd been... She's actually been up to my office once before, but we were like very intentional to walk around because it was a beautiful day on Saturday. And I'm just trying to get her familiarized and normalizing the college environment Mm -hmm. because um, that was huge for me when I was probably, I probably had to been 12, 13 years old when my stepfather, and I guess I now call my father, he took me to uh, some kind of siblings day thing, right. Um, for kids. And I mean, he's not my sibling, but you know, it was for kids. And so that was the first time that I was in the college environment and the conversation of like, when, you know, like you can do this. And when you go, this is what it's like. That was very different prior to that. I hadn't been exposed to the college environment. So I was like, let me get a, I get 10 years ahead. I learned from his example (laughs) and get my daughter on campus when she's three (laughs) and in that way at least if she chooses to go that route you know what I mean she'll have have built that cultural capital in relation with me you know over the years that if she transitions to the college environment it'll be a lot smoother for her than it was for me I love that and your pictures were so cute thank you oh my gosh Did did you see that you see the video that I dropped for you all about when we were in my office and yeah. I let my daughter sit in my chair and then I sat on the other side of the desk and I was the student and I asked my daughter for some advising and <laughs> she just walked out. She was like, oh, no, Dada. Oh, no. I was like, I got to I got to register. But, you know, I know it's been it's been going on for four months. She's like, it's closed. It's closed. Then she walked. Oh. Then she walked out of the office on me. She's like, I'll be right back, Dada. I'll be right back. Stay here. I'll be back. I was like, oh, that's a great. You know, she was like this. <laughs> Like, this student is a wreck. I can't even help him. And then she just left. She's but, she's a queen. That's goals. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that that whole thing was inspired by people in life who inspire us. So I was curious um to ask you both, and not even necessarily just people who who set in a good example, but maybe experiences that we've had, whether positive or negative, that has inspired you to do what you do, whether those are specific people or events. And again, the people don't even have to be good examples, right? Or the examples that you would follow, right? Not necessarily bad examples, but different examples. And we go in a different direction. Um, Corinne, when you think about just people who have inspired you in life to make you the wonderful person that you are today or situations, what is there anything that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I, you know, when you introduced this topic, I started thinking about it. And, and I've been really lucky to have a lot of great people, both you know, personally and professionally throughout my life who've, who've been inspirational. I, I think one stood out to me and one that I'd like to tell you about um, that will help you kind of know what contributed to me being the person that I am, but also um, just to bring a little history into things, because this, I think it's important to remember where we come from too. And I want to talk about my grandma. She was rad. And I was very lucky. I I had four grandparents when I was born and I had all four until I was 12. And then, you know, short, you know, life happens and things like that. So I did get to know all four, but my dad's mom lived to be 95 years old. Um, I was 32, I believe, when she passed away. So I had her well into my adulthood and we had a, a really special bond. And I think that what I found so inspirational about her was her grit. She was a person who went through some stuff. So my grandma, you know, was one of 
seven, I should have added this up before we started, about seven kids, I think. There was a bunch of them. And they they lived mostly in in cities. Like they she started in the Pittsburgh area, moved to Detroit with her dad. Her dad was kind of always looking for that. Sorry. Uh, Sean made a mistake and uh, <laughs> clicked the pause button for some reason. It's all right. I'll edit it. Don't worry. Okay. Um. So anyway, so my grandma was um one of many children. She was at least one of seven. It might be more. I can't remember. But she w- moved around a lot. So she lived in Pittsburgh. She lived in Detroit. They at one point lived somewhere else in Michigan. I can't remember. But anyway, her dad was sort of always looking for the next job. And so they were constantly moving. All these kids were getting packed up and moving to apartment after apartment after apartment. And so she had to do a lot of things for herself, a lot of things for her family. She also was offered an opportunity to go to nursing school when she was young and her dad wouldn't let her, which is really sad to think about now. But she basically, you know, she was smart. She was bright. She had these opportunities. And as a product of her times, she was born in 1919. So she just was limited by the circumstances of the time. So she ended up as women did in those days, got married, had a couple of children. And then her husband died when her kids were little. So her first husband died when her children were of like seven and eight. And they were right in the middle of building a house. They were, they were building their own house. And she was just like, lost basically at that point and this was all this was like during world war ii so she had to get a job she had to raise these kids on her own and she ended up so this is one of my favorite stories about my grandma again during the war tons of men were overseas they she was living in warren at this time and there was the tank arsenal over there which is now a bunch of industrial complexes if anybody's over at like you know 11 mile and mound you'll know that that complex of all those buildings but she went into the tank arsenal and wanted a job and they were like do you know how to read a blueprint machine she's like absolutely i know how to read a blueprint machine she had never seen a blueprint machine in her life had no idea and just walked in like yep for sure i do and so they gave her the job and like first day she's like hi somebody needs to show me how to run this blueprint machine <laughs> and they did and she did you know the rest is history she she stayed there for a while Ended up meeting a man through her parents, friends of theirs, um, which ended up being my grandpa, had one more child and so forth. So I, I, she just threw out like, I feel like she was a person who was so good at making her way within the set of circumstances that she had. So, and, and that's something that I've tried to balance. Like, I don't think I'm a person who's, who's going to tear the walls down and rebuild like that's just not who I am but I my thought has always been what can I do within the parameters of this situation that I'm in where I can do the best and be the best in this situation and I think I got a lot of that from her because she that is exactly what she did whatever situation she was in she made the best of it Um, and I think that she was very aware of the barriers that existed in her life and she wanted to reduce those barriers for women coming up through the world behind her and that's such a special quality I think that there are people who who close the doors behind them and then there are people who prop that door open or tear it off the hinges and I think she was one who would tear those doors off the hinges and and as her granddaughter I was her youngest grandchild she really instilled that in me like you are going to figure out your place in life you're not going to be dependent on a man you're not going to be um you know stuck within whatever society tells you that you have to be you're you're going to do your thing and and take things the way that you want them and make it happen and I can't even explain like growing up as a shy nervous anxious little kid like having that one person in my life who was like yeah well you can do this and you're going to was tremendously valuable and and she just like I said she lived life on her terms up until the very end like she reached a point when she was in her mid-90s she's like here's the thing all my friends are gone I I'm kind of done with this she's like so I'm just gonna kind of ride this out and she she didn't you know she just kind of decided it was her time and within a few months she was gone and I as sad as that was for me it was like okay like I can't argue with that like she felt done and she was ready and and 
how lucky, like, could we all be so lucky to decide when it's time and, and have that happen? So I don't know. It was every step of her life to me was an inspiration. And I feel a, a sense of responsibility to do something with my life that's valuable because I know that she would have done more if she'd been given those opportunities. And so that's really in the back of my head and everything I do is like, would she be proud of me if I'm doing this? And and I, I hope she would. I think she would. But I think that has been a huge driving force for me is how can I live up to this awesome woman? So that's my grams. Anna Forey's, may she rest in peace. <laughs> um, she was a, the most beautiful gardener you could imagine. She was founding member of the Warren Garden Club. And she, to this day, her house on the corner of Mound and Arden and Warren has these beautiful, gigantic rhododendrons that she grew from seeds. And it's, I, I drive by sometimes and smile because I just know how proud she was of that. So yeah, that's Anna. That's my grams. Aww. That's I'm awesome. I'm so like heartwarmed by that. <laughs> she was the coolest. <laughs> It's special, too, that when you are able to know that story and think about where you fit into the intergenerational progress. Totally. You know, um, I've, I've had some pretty inspirational um, experiences over the years um, and people. Um, one in particular actually wasn't even on my radar to share, but as you were sharing that, I, you know, it made me think of an experience that I had when... When I was up in Mount Pleasant, so I did my undergrad and grad there and started my career in Mount Pleasant at Central Michigan University. Um, I did some community organizing as well when I was there. And one of the efforts that I was involved in was the Wellbridey Journey Toward Forgiveness, which was um, initiated by the Saginaw Chippewa Indian Tribe. So I was part of the organizing committee. And one of the pieces that I worked on was drafting proclamations for local organizations, city governments, and actually the NAACP national board to adopt these proclamations in support of the Wellbridey journey toward forgiveness. And what that was, was acknowledging the impact of the Indian boarding school policy on the Native American community and um, basically supporting initiatives that would help in terms of mental and emotional and, and, and spiritual restoration in the indigenous community as it relates to that, right? So I was involved in that and I would, I would probably more succinctly describe my involvement as like being, you know, one of the people that got the white community involved, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was basically helping build that bridge, right? That's um, so and important, then, though. I mean, like, yeah. diversity is not just for underrepresented people. It's so important. Exactly. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Um, and so, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was, and it was, it was a lot of, it was very fulfilling in ways, but then there's also this kind of shallow part of like, all right, y'all are going to adopt this proclamation that I wrote and say this and that, and then they're not going to do anything about it, right? Like just empty words that are sound good and that at least get out the initiative, but you in your organization or you and your government, <laughs> whether local or you're not going to do anything about this. Right. Um, and so that was kind of a little other part of it. But anyway, in that process, part of what was shared was many of the elders from the Anishinaabe community who were in these Indian boarding schools shared their stories of being uh, beaten and abused in these schools. Right. And, and in terms of like, you know, them not being able to practice their traditional spirituality, not to wear their traditional garb, not to eat their traditional food, et cetera, et cetera, not to speak their traditional language that then connected them, disconnected them in ways from their environment because their language, our language is used to describe the world around us and our relationship to it. And if you're stripped of your ability to use that language, then you strip your ability of being connected to your people in ways. Anyway, um, one of the things that I was inspired about in the midst of all those things was that people today, the youth today, um, their parents and then their elders coming together and honoring and having reverence for the struggles of their elders, right? That as well as the inspiration of people who were in these schools, including some of my friends, you know, who became my friends um, to be courageous enough to share those stories. Um, but it made me really admire the reverence that they had for those who came before them. Then I realized at some point in time and wrestling with this internally was like, 
I'm kind of romanticizing you. And that's great that it's awesome what you did. But like, if I think that's so special, then like, let me continue the journey to understand me (laughs) and how I'm connected intergenerationally. You know what I mean? And so I started going back and actually doing some ancestral research and whatnot. And the reason that this came up was you were talking about the intergenerational impact of those who came before you and even thinking about some of the things that you want to correct. You know what I mean? Like my my lineage hasn't always been on the right side of history, right? And so, um, especially um, as it related to that, related to the um, the Anishinaabe people in general, right? Because like one of my ancestors was the first tavern keeper in Detroit, right? Uh, part of the French colonizing efforts that were going on and when they were settling there, had a tavern that was at the base of the Ambassador Bridge. And I found articles of like, there being issues with him basically peddling liquor, alcohol to the indigenous people and then what that was creating. And so part of the whole conversation that we were having today, right, today meaning like during the organizing of that was the impact of that disconnect because of the boarding school policy and the colonization after European contact that led to poor coping you know, measures, you know what I mean? Drugs and alcohol addiction. And a lot of that is believed like the drugs and alcohol addiction and the domestic violence and suicide rates in the indigenous community today um, are often understood as a reflection of that disconnect that was forced upon them, you know, through the generations. And then I was starting to think about like, it's not that I'm responsible for that, but that my people, you know, were part of not being the positive influence in that regard, right? Um, and so it actually added more meaning to an intergenerational reconciliation process. You know what I mean? That I'm working alongside people, some who were actually in these boarding schools, some who in ways were their people were oppressed by my people. And that's not all that happened, right? There's a very complex history between Europeans and different indigenous nations in, the, in this country, but it, it it added a certain level of, of significance to it. And, and so that it inspired me to be more focused on um, first getting to know me, who I am, where I come from, and what that means, instead of approaching for example, like diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives to learn about quote unquote others. That's important. Don't get me wrong, especially if you don't have those intimate relations and you have to be really intentional to begin to learn about people and their experiences and the unique and distinct components of that and also where there might overlap. But getting lost in understanding others more when you don't even understand yourself and where you come from and how that might connect to what you're doing today, um, that was pretty big for me um and then just the other piece um was uh my stepdad you know like I was using the example of taking my daughter here you know on on campus and um you know what I mean as a man that uh came into my life and played the role of daddy that he didn't have to be you know I never knew my biological father my father that was there from birth Jim Beavers James Beavers uh was a great man as well and he hustled and he did everything that he could you know what I mean he he like many of us were a daddy without a daddy trying to be a daddy you know what I mean and he did the best that he could and him my mother and my stepfather really installed a certain work ethic in me that I carry with me today that like when you know the the things might seem like they're crumbling around you in different ways and you might be navigating different storms. Like I know how to stay compartmentalized in in a healthy way, not to like push off what I need to, you know, deal with mentally, emotionally, as you're going through those storms, but actually thinking about like, what do I have in my control and what can I continue to do? And so that has actually produced a, a pretty strong work ethic in me. And I'm just eternally grateful for having that you know, in my life. Stephanie, what about you? I think good, the bad, the ugly. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a pretty good segue talking about like what you have control of and what you can do with it. So I've had what I have been kind of calling my anti role model theory for quite a few years now, but I feel like it's instilled a lot of resilience in me. So it's kind of like when bad things happen, you kind of have some choices, right? It's like, well, I can just be sad about it and pout and not do anything. Or I could, you know, like pick myself up and try to do better when that when stuff like that happens. So 
what I've noticed a lot in my past is that I've had a lot of people, um, family members, like family friends and stuff like that, who have had challenging times and they kind of turn into not the greatest situations. So those are some of the things that I've learned from um, throughout kind of like growing up and learning that, yeah, like that stuff can happen, but it really depends on how you react to it. And I feel like a lot of our students are like that too. A lot of them can be super resilient when things happen and also just being um, confident enough and kind of aware enough to even step back if you need to and take a break because I think that's also part of resiliency too is knowing when you need that break absolutely um, yeah but then in terms of like a, on a more positive note I you guys reminded me of this so another redhead Judy Mack she was my uh, kind of like mentor when I was in my first master's for higher ed student affairs at Eastern. A redhead was, sounds like an amazing person. Yeah, <laughs> she was she was feisty, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> she retired just a year or two after I finished my program. So she was she's been a student affairs professional for a really long time. And I remember just like a month or two, maybe not even after I met her, we were doing a supplemental instruction, kind of like introduction to the orientation leaders on how to kind of promote it to students during orientation. So I'm like, oh, okay, like I can do this. Like, I'm just gonna talk to these kids and it'll be fine. So we walk into this place and I don't know Eastern's campus very well cause I've been at Wayne State forever. Walk into this auditorium, which is basically like State Hall 101 or well, me, probably not a lot of people have been in there since it's been in construction <laughs> for so long, but basically a really big lecture. Oh, let's say uh, like general lectures 150, because that's the one next to the big one. And so we walk in there and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. There's like a hundred orientation leaders or some nonsense. She hands me a microphone. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever used a microphone without practice or anything in front of an audience <laughs> and I'm just like do I just throw this on the ground and run away or what like what do I do here and she's just like yeah you could do it and I'm just like well if she, if this lady that I just met thinks I can do it then I, I guess I can do it and I did it and I've been kind of like teaching and doing like public speaking type things ever since. And mm -hmm. I always think of that with them. I can just feel the microphone in my hand, just kind of like shaking a little bit because I was <laughs> so afraid, but I'm so grateful that she put me in that position and just pushed me a little bit. And it, it kind of ties back to Corinne's experiences too, like just pushing yourself to kind of do things and just get it done. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are it. those are uh, tough yet important moments. Mm -hmm. you know, Option you, B would have been the Angel Novak approach of like, excuse me, I need one minute and leave. Yeah. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, Dada. Oh no. Hold on. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. And shuts shuts the door on me. That's funny. I love it. Well, uh, Corinne, we've got fall registration still in the thick of it right now. Yeah, um, let's do some updates. So a yeah. couple things. Um, fall registration is open. I, Based on a flurry of panicked emails I got over the weekend, it looks like perhaps financial aid might have been putting some financial holds on recently. Mm -hmm. So if you have financial holds, gentle reminder that we can't release those, but a financial aid officer can if you meet the conditions to have those released. So as always, double check with the Student Service Center. Come by in person if you can. Uh, their phone number is 313-577-2100. So if you have a financial hold, that's who you can reach out to. Um, things are starting to get full. You may have noticed at this point that especially online classes are starting to fill up. There, There is still a bit of a push from, from the upper administration of the university to have more of an on-campus presence. So just to manage everyone's expectations, expect that the vast majority of your classes are going to be on-campus classes going forward. So um, keep that in mind as you're trying to build your schedule and as you're considering what else you have room for in your life right now. And the big change that you have all probably gotten email about last week 
is that starting in the fall semester, Wayne State is going to be uh, adopting a flat rate tuition model, which basically means that whatever your tuition rate is, and there is still differential tuition rate for different programs, um, juniors, seniors versus freshmen, sophomores, that kind of thing. But whatever your tuition rate is, whether you take anywhere between 12 or 18 credits, the tuition cost for the semester is the same. So under 12 credits, it's per credit hour cost. Over 18 credits, anything over that is, is added on per tuition cost. But between that 12 to 18 credit range, your tuition is flat regardless of how many credits you take within that range. So that means that there's an opportunity here where if there's a class that you've been wanting to take and you're like, you know, I really want to take guitar, but I haven't had the opportunity because it costs money and I just haven't had the chance to do that. If you're at 13 credits for the fall semester and you're like, hey, I have I have some time and I can do this, you can tack on a class like that and it will not change your tuition obligation. So there's some very cool opportunities there. Um, it is going to change the pricing structure a little bit um, just overall compared to what you're used to. If you are taking 14 or more credits, you will probably find that it it's a bit of a tuition reduction for you. It might be a little bit more if you're less than 14 credits. So, you know, keep in mind that that might happen when you get your bills in August. The tuition rates aren't actually even really set for the fall semester until June when the Board of Governors votes on it. So we can't give you any specific information about what your tuition is going to be yet. But as you're building your fall schedules, know that if you were thinking about taking an extra class within that range of 12 to 18 credits, but the cost was holding you back, it doesn't have to. That that will not change your cost structure of your tuition starting in the fall. And if so, I'm not mistaken, isn't oh, the oh, flat sorry. tuition rate set at the cost of 14 credits, right? It is, yes. So the oh, basically, right. like, whatever you take, it'll be at about the same cost of 14 credits, correct? Um, as far as we know, there's there's some things still getting ironed out, but that is the goal that they have been um, publishing. So, yeah, so that's where we're at. So, obviously, everyone's life circumstances are different. Don't feel like you're losing out on something if you're only able to take 12 credits. Like, that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It's just that we want you to know that the opportunity is there, that if you have time for more credits, those are things that you can add on. Um, and this is an opportunity to maybe if you're already in a research lab and you were thinking about doing a directed study, but you're like, eh, I don't know if I want to pay for those credits. Now you wouldn't have to. So it, it's something to think about that you could take advantage of this for that. So it's going to be a, a learning curve, I think, for all of us. We're all sort of figuring out what this is going to be like. It's really popular. I know even 20 years ago when I was at U of M, this was their tuition structure. So there's there's a lot of other universities that have been using this successfully. I think the goal is that it will eventually help people and get students to degree a little quicker. So because you're not held up by the cost of, of your credits. So as long as you can take them. We also don't want you to overwhelm yourselves. So be honest with yourself about what you're able to take on. But talk to us. Let us know what questions you have. Uh, and in that vein, we are still super, super booked up for appointments. April is just a nightmare trying to get everybody in. So please, we appreciate your patience. Please, please email us if you have questions. It's it's tough to get on our calendars right now. I know mine is full right now through this week. I'm in a conference next week, and I haven't opened up past that yet. So I will be opening it, but at the moment, it's not there yet. So Again, we appreciate your patience. It's not that we don't want to see you. It's just that everyone wants in in April. And so it's been tough to keep to keep opportunities for everyone to come in. So I, I wanted to just to go back uh, a minute about the flat tuition rate and whatnot um, that because this comes up in conversations uh, all the time uh, in, in my sessions um, and not sure if it's the same for you all. I would imagine so. But, you know, you get students that say, like, am I? In the, the 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 basic question is am i on track and and then and then so then that question then stimulates a question for me typically to the advisee and says well what's on track for you remember right i will always say this over and over and over to so many advisees that you don't have to run a race that you didn't agree to run to you set the distance and you set the pace right now, there are some pieces that sometimes complicate that, right? If you have some financial obligations that require you to take 12 credits in the fall and the winter or maybe 30 credits in the in the academic year, certainly, you know, you're going to be guided by that a little bit. 
right? So with the flat tuition rate, one of the ideas behind it, right, is to get students on a four-year plan to average 14 credits in the fall and in the winter, 30 credits a year, four credits and you're out, right? And there, if, if I'm not mistaken, there's pretty decent data that backs up that if the students, on a macro level, students who are on four-year plans are more likely to graduate, right? Um, so I think that's probably some of the maybe data-driven ideas behind it. Now, the, uh, the the reality of it is, is, is well, that is, that is a reality. So I want to say the rea that's not the reality. Now, here's a really reality, <laughs> right, um, that Corinne kind of alluded to a little bit in this as well, is that, you know, you all as students, you're not just students, right? You have a lot of conflicting obligations, right? Many of you are working. Many of you have families. Many of you have a variety of other obligations outside of school. So for those of you that uh, don't have the money up front and need to borrow, you know, financial aid, you know, you might just get 12 credits because you need to have 12 credits in order to get your full-time aid, but you can't really take anything over 14 credits, and you know, um, because maybe you're working full-time while you're going to school. That's fine, you know. So when we tell you about the flat tuition rate, we're letting you know of there being an option here that there's a financial incentive, but the financial component of that isn't the only piece. And some of you who might even want to benefit from the financial incentive maybe feel like I'm not ready to take more than 12 or 13 credits because I've not done well. I would be one of those students when I was an undergrad, I went three quarter time and I took six and a half years to get my bachelor's degree because I wasn't a strong student and I needed to get my life together and, and try to reduce how much money I was losing from failed courses or courses that I was going to have to retake, you know. So that's a conversation that I would engage with your advisor if you haven't already is like, what is this race that you're running? You know what I mean? And set the pace. Don't get lost uh, in, in keeping up with the Joneses. You look around and you've got peers who are set on a four-year program. They're already, you know, got in mind what they're going to do after their undergrad. They're going to go to graduate school and they have everything all put together. And then you don't. And then you start feeling insecure because you feel like, well, they're doing this. So I need to be able to doing this. You know, you have to really take a step back, take a deep breath and consult with, you know, your advisor and other support, you know, staff that are available to you in college to kind of set your own pace that that is reasonable and within what you need to do, what you're obligated to do as well. So um, there's a lot of moving pieces. I just wanted to mention that because I think even with the flat tuition rate, <clears throat> some of those students might feel even more obligated to stay, quote unquote, on track. Mm -hmm. But on track isn't based off of something they're setting for themselves. You know, the other thing I tell students all the time is when you're applying to a graduate program or a professional school or a job or whatever, it is tremendously unlikely that they're going to do the math on when you started and when you finished undergrad, especially if we're within a band of about, you know, six years, somewhere in there. Like that's, it's really unlikely that that's going to matter to anyone, but your GPA is going to matter. They are going to look at that. So if if speed and grades are at odds with one another, I pick grades every time because that's what you, that's what you're stuck with. That's the thing that's carrying with you as you move on to your next steps. And so if, if it is in your best interest to keep your GPA high, to slow the pace a little bit, it's worth it. So that just keep that in mind. Like, obviously we want you to graduate in the, the quickest, most reasonable timeline for you, but like Sean said, it's got to be the timeline for you and not the timeline for somebody else. So, yeah, and, and in important. terms of seeking that support and having those conversations, I'm just curious, um, Stephanie, do you work in the summer? <laughs> I totally work in the summer. We all work in the summer. That was it's such a corny transition, wasn't academic it? Academic <laughs> advisors work in the summer. So we are on a 12-month contract. <laughs> yes. So this April is not the last time you will see us. You could see us in May. You could see us in June. You could see us in July. You could see us in August. Every single month of the year, we are here for you. <laughs> not just the week before, the week of, and week after <laughs> registration. We're always here to help prep you for things. Yes. And we have lots of remote appointments. So if you're not on campus in the summer, that's okay. We can still meet with you. 
and we are happy to have those conversations even if you're starting to plan ahead for next year like that's great then you don't have to try to get in in October which is the other terrible month to try to get in for advising mm -hmm. and that way you'll be ahead of the game we we won't know the exact class schedule just yet but we can give you a pretty solid idea of what you would be taking in the winter so we can absolutely get you going with that if you'd like to meet with us over the summer. Yeah, that's one of the many benefits of being a psychology major at Wayne State is we're the largest major because our enrollment is so high. Um, you know, we generally speaking, generally speaking, right, mm -hmm. offer most of our classes every semester. There's obviously some outliers, right? Like, for example, when you look at the fall schedule, I don't think at this point in time, like with the experimental lectures, I don't think 3040 is offered, but it still might be offered, right? But at this point in time, I don't think it's on the schedule. But but generally speaking, the core courses that you need to take in order to complete your major requirements, we can project, we don't need the schedule available to build a plan with that. So mm -hmm. you don't have to wait for the schedule to open up to connect with an advisor. You don't definitely do not have to wait until <laughs> registration starts to meet with an advisor or to, to set up a, an appointment with the advisor. That's a, a horrible thing to do, right? <laughs> like definitely try to do it long before that. But, you know, when the summer months kick in, you know what I mean? We're here and you can set up an appointment and you can have a plan built three, four, five semesters out, you know what I mean? And then by time um, you're setting up an appointment with us a couple of weeks before actual registration, let's say for the winter, you already have a plan built with the advisor and you're just circling back around to make okay. sure that that plan is still going to work based off of what's actually going to be provided in that term. So okay. that can, that that will reduce a lot of frustrations that students often have in terms of not being able to find an appointment during the week of registration is mm -hmm. taking that initiative. Stephanie, I'm sorry. Oh, I just also want to add in that you can register for classes at, like when registrations open without even talking to us. You can mm -hmm. always register and then email us and say, hey, I registered. Will you double check my schedule for me, please? And we will totally do that. And you don't have to wait for an appointment for that. You don't have to wait for us to kind of like quote unquote approve your schedule you could totally register and add and drop as needed so then you don't miss out on those spots because I see a lot of students might wait a couple weeks because our schedules are full and they don't register and then they meet with us and they're like well this is what I was thinking and I was like man I wish you would have registered for that before this appointment because it looks like those classes are full yeah. so mm -hmm. for sure register what you think you need because we can always change it later not a mm -hmm. big deal Yes. Yeah, you're sorry. No, no. The the biggest risk is classes filling up, honestly. Everything else is fixable. Really the one thing we can't fix is classes. As long as you talk to us before the semester starts. Let me put that little disclaimer in there. Um but between when registration opens and when classes starts, things are fixable except for full classes. We can't do anything about a class being full. So, yes, that that's such great advice. Register, email us, get on our calendar later and and we can change things around if if necessary. I would, as as a student, I would approach seeking advising the same way that you did driver's education, right? Like you are in the driver's seat, you are steering the car, you are pushing the pedals, right? But you have somebody in the passenger seat that is helping to guide you to independence in driving on your own, right? As your advisor, I am not going to be there in the passenger seat to pump the brakes every time you're about to run into a stop sign. So learn not to run into a stop sign. All right. I'm just this not going to. Starting to get a little morbid. Yeah. So like, you know, I'll send you a get well card. <laughs> oh, this no, has but... nothing to do with anything, but the brakes went out in my driver's ed car when I was driving, when <gasps> I when I was 16 or 15, I guess at the time. Yeah. So it, it <laughs> this has well, nothing to do with your analogy, but fun fact, it can happen that the brakes go out on a driver's ed car. Well, and that points to the fact that sometimes there are external things beyond our control that can happen. So we have to plan ahead, right. And have a, <laughs> have check a plan those brake lines. Brake lines. <laughs> no, but, that, but in general, like when seeking advising, that, that was an excellent, I think, um, suggestion by Stephanie, like, have your you know 
you put together a plan, get familiarized with your degree works. Don't use your degree works as an exchange for meeting with an advisor, right? But use it as a starting point and then you can build your schedule. Then by the time you have your appointment, you can just, or or maybe it's not an appointment, maybe it's an email, take a look and we'll look at the degree works and look at their schedule, make sure that there's no huge holes or some, you know anything that we're, we're disagreeing with because of A, B and C. But I mean, ultimately by the time you get to be a senior, um, and you're, you're, when you're setting up an appointment for registration, like I, I personally, I expect that by the time you're a senior, by when we set up an appointment, when you set up an appointment to meet with me to go over your schedule, you're already registered for your schedule. You already got everything uh, in order. You're just checking in with me to make sure that uh, have a second set of eyes to look to make sure that there's not something that you overlooked. Um, and that's ideal, right? Because the truth is, is that like, we're here to help you, but you know, once you graduate and you get out to the workforce, like, you know, Sean, Stephanie, Corinne aren't going to be right there for you to work through the other issues. Right. So it's just part of it's shepherding that independence and, and, um, you know, and, and utilizing your resources to consult with the decisions that maybe you've already made. But, uh, so I guess we, we are kind of winding down here, getting close to one o'clock, and I'm sure we all probably have one o'clock appointments. <laughs> so um, academic calendar and any other upcoming um, events uh, that we want to discuss? Uh, I know, Stephanie, you had mentioned a few that were kind of programmatic and departmentally based, right, for students that are coming up, like the graduation. Yep. Like graduation. So we... Yeah, we have the Lockman Lecture on the 26th of April. It's from noon to 2 p.m. So that's coming up. You'll see that in the site canvas page. And then we have a site graduation ceremony on May 1st. It's from 3 to 5 p.m. We will have the RSVP on the canvas page for that, too. And I super recommend this ceremony and, like, celebration just because I know a lot of students have – um, concerns that they don't have enough tickets for their parents to go to commencement or not parents but like outside family members and friends to go to commencement and you can bring uh, guests to this celebration so we're happy to have you and if you'd like to celebrate in that way um, that would be awesome and then spring summer classes those begin Friday May 5th which is kind of crazy that it's <laughs> coming up like it's less than a month um, so, and it's on a Friday, which is kind of weird. So I figured we should mention that because I feel like it's normally on a Monday. Yeah, that is different. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the psychology commencement is at 2 p.m. It's the afternoon session. Psychology commencement is at 2 p.m. on <laughs> May the 4th, Star Wars Day. And you should have received an email um, from commencement to your Wayne State email about tickets and um, just about whatever other information you need for it. And they did send a hard copy commencement guide, too, to your um, uh, home address. And then, Sean, will you go up to final exams so we could see one? Yeah, so then we have study day on April 25th. Is that already next week? Mm -hmm. yep. it's next crap. Tuesday week, week oh from my tomorrow gosh yeah um so one thing to note about study day is that your professors technically can't um, make anything due that day or have any tests or any any type of assignment due that day um, and then final start right after that they go April 26th to May 2nd right before the commencement ceremonies and everything so we're coming to I, a close. <laughs> I have one little date thing for spring summer semester that has come up in the past that I wanted to just draw everyone's attention to. If you are taking any spring half term classes, so those are the accelerated seven, eight week classes that run through May and June, the drop deadline to drop with tuition cancellation is much earlier for those yes. classes. Um, so normally you've, you've got your drop deadline two weeks into the semester. For an accelerated semester, it's one week. So if you are taking classes that will end by 
the end of June, so the the first term, the first half term, May 11th is the drop deadline for those classes. So just to keep that in mind, for normal, for full combined spring term, spring class, spring summer classes, it's May 18th. But if you are taking an accelerated spring half term class, May 11th is the last day to drop with tuition cancellation. So that's not always super intuitive when you're looking at things. And so I just want to make sure that we put that out there. So if you're in a spring half term class and you're like, nope, this was a mistake, I got to get out of this, you have to do that by May 11th to have your tuition refunded. That's an excellent piece of information. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I what I would say to students, like what I would typically say to students is for each class, <laughs> mm-hmm. literally go into registration.wayne.edu, browse classes, find the section that you've registered for, and look at the details for that specific class. Um, what Corinne said is absolutely right, but like if you're one of those students where like I need to see it for myself like go into the schedule for this individual course and look at the 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 drop deadlines the full tuition withdrawal deadline all that stuff it'd be specific to that course if you're confused about which deadline that you need to focus on mm-hmm. um yeah. anything else i don't think so i think yeah email us if you have questions appointments will start to get easier within the next couple weeks that's pretty much it, Stephanie. I have one thing, I would just like to thank everyone that came to PassFest. Oh. Yes. Like over a hundred students and it was awesome. It was great. I yeah. love seeing everyone. We hope everyone got a lot out of it and we look forward to having more events in the future for sure. Yeah, yes. big big ups to Shelly and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of the past mentors helped coordinate that event. Right. And Stephanie, I know, was doing a lot Stephanie. of stuff, especially like on the ground day of and working it out. So, yeah, thank you. And we had yeah. a professor. Was it Susan Brummel? Uh, Dr. Uh, yeah, Dr. Bromelta was there with the brains. Yeah, that was exciting. That was a fun table to be at. So, yeah, yeah I decided to show up even though Corinne threatened to use my brain for research. <laughs> and then Stephanie questioning whether or not. much in it anyway. <laughs> exactly. I was waiting for that. <laughs> All right. On that Just note. smooth, smooth as it Marble countertop. <laughs> we love you, Sean. <laughs> this is where we fade out. <laughs> Someday I will be dressed. Forever we should go, I don't let us say forever